In October, some eight years ago, um, visitors to London's famous waxworks museum, Madame Tussauds, were asked to vote for their favorite celebrities to star in a nativity scene they were going to make. And by Christmas, the scene was set. A life-size waxwork tableau of the nativity. Joseph and Mary were depicted by David and Victoria Beckham. The shepherds were played by a raft of English stars, including Hugh Grant. The three wise men were Tony Blair, George Bush, and the Duke of Edinburgh. And singer Kylie Minogue hung from the ceiling as an angel. When asked for his comment at the time, the Archbishop of Canterbury's spokesman reportedly said, Deary, deary me. <laughs> you know, the irony really couldn't be greater when one compares that waxworks all-star cast with the original cast, a cast made up of seeming nobodies. This morning, I want us to think for a moment about Mary. Of course, now she is a celebrity of sorts, at least in the sense that she's surely the most well-known woman of all history. But I wonder what might we learn today from our reading from Luke's Gospel, where we heard again of the Annunciation, the announcement by the angel Gabriel to Mary that she was to have a child. And then of her visit to see her older cousin, Elizabeth, who was also going to have a baby. I want us to consider this morning the, the two songs of Mary that we heard. One imagining Mary's words in the song Annika sang, Breath of Heaven. The other, Mary's actual words in the Magnificat. Although the lyrics of the former are those of Amy Grant, I, I can well imagine Mary having prayed. I am frightened by the load I bear in a world as cold as stone. Must I walk this path alone? And, and you might think, but, but she wasn't alone. She, she had the angel, she had Joseph. Well, that's true, but what happened after the angel spoke to her? Well, what we heard read to us was that then... The angel departed from her. The Pope, in his new book about Jesus, writes this, The great hour of Mary's encounter with God's messenger, that's the angel, in which her whole life changed, comes to an end, and she remains there alone with the task that truly surpasses all human capacity. There are no angels standing around her. She must continue along the path that leads through many dark moments, from Joseph's dismay at her pregnancy to the moment when Jesus is said to be out of his mind, right up to the night of the cross. Yes, I can imagine Mary praying in words similar to those that Annika sang. Be with me, God. Hold me together. Lighten my darkness. Pour over me your holiness. 
you know, the, the account of Mary and her cousin Elizabeth, if you'll excuse the, the pun, is, is a story pregnant with contrasts. And this morning I want to highlight just two of those contrasts. First, in the midst of the mundane, we encounter the miraculous. Mary, a, a young girl, unmarried, pregnant, from a poor and unknown family, yet singled out by God, called to serve in a most remarkable way. Thank you, Elizabeth, by the way, for reading to us this morning. Uh, where, where is Elizabeth? I can't see her. Are you, are you 14? Yeah, that's probably how old Mary was, maybe. We don't know. It's powerful stuff. And then there's Elizabeth, an older woman, married, pregnant, but only after all hope of ever having a child was long gone. Well, that's the first of the contrast that's there. The second um, in the, is that in the midst of, of the fear, in the midst of the uncertainty, there was profound and amazing joy. How frightening the angel's visit to Mary must have been. You know, I think too often we have a mental picture of angels as looking like those fairies that go on top of a, a Christmas tree. But you'll never find a picture of an angel like that in the Bible. No, whenever an angel comes on the scene, the first reaction of those that encounter the angel is what? Fear, absolutely. And that's how it was for Mary. I don't care whether she was 14 or 18 or however old she was, it was terrifying. And, and whereas we might have expected Mary to be crushed by the, well, the, shall we just say the complexity of her circumstances, she's not. Indeed, she's determined to get on with the job that God has called her to. Luke tells us Mary set out and went with haste to go and see Elizabeth. I wonder how many of us make haste where the things of God are concerned. You know, I'm pretty good at making haste about all sorts of things. But with the things of God... Mary had been chosen for an amazing, unprecedented task, to be the mother of the Son of God. How do you even do that? How do you cope with that? Well, surprisingly, at least it's surprising to me, the way that Mary copes, the way that she handles this, is that she reflects on her situation theologically. I mean, really, she does. Now, yes, I'm sure she must have asked, where is God? What's happening to me? Oh, my goodness, and all that kind of stuff. But the answer that flows out of Mary in her song that we now call the Magnificat, what flows out in that song? A song more famous than anything Victoria Beckham, who played Mary at Madame Tussauds, ever sang when she was with the Spice Girls, no, what comes out is the purposes of God in history. 
That's what she's proclaiming. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And those words echo down the ages to us in our generation, to you and me gathered here this morning. Jesus, Emmanuel, the one who has promised from long ago, has come. And the words of the Magnificat resound from the prophets. And you know what? They are subversive words. They are revolutionary words. Jesus, the Savior, is coming to put the world to rights. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. If you are in need of God's mercy, if you are empty, if you know the poverty of your own spirit this morning, these are words of hope. But I need to say this too. If you are self-satisfied, proud, and think that you have no need of this God who became a baby, then these are words of warning. For God will scatter the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. So what was it that enabled Mary to sing this song of joy and hope? What was it that enabled Mary to say yes to the angel? What was it that enabled her to endure such suffering as she surely did in her life? Well, it was the breath of heaven, the breath of God himself. It was the Holy Spirit, the one who breathes life into the darkness, the Spirit who is present from before the creation of the world, the Spirit who in Jesus is making all things new, the Spirit of God who is at work through the Son, bringing about a revolution. The real joy of Christmas comes when we are willing to say yes to Jesus, as Mary did. For then the living God, in the person of Jesus, breaks into our lives personally. Jesus is Emmanuel today. He is with us in the face of our deepest sorrows and in the midst of the hardest realities of our very broken world. May we, like Mary, be willing to serve. May we have the courage to say, let it be to me according to your word. And may we, like Mary, be caught up in wonder, love, and praise. And then, may we, like her, experience more of the miraculous in the midst of that which is mundane in our lives. Perhaps some of you feel rather insignificant. Maybe you feel weak in the face of the problems of the world or your own life. And yet, God still calls ordinary people, people like the kids here on the front row, People like those that are singing in the choir, all of us. He calls people like us, ordinary folks, to do extraordinary things through us, whether you're very young or whether you're very old. 
What a great example these two women, Elizabeth and Mary, are for us. One very young and one much older. And so still today, in the midst of the mundane, we encounter Emmanuel, God with us, miraculously at work by the power of his Holy Spirit. For it is in the ordinariness of our lives, at school, at work, at home, with our kids, that we can know the extraordinary power and presence of God in our lives. Do you know that power? You know, when we're afraid, maybe because of failure or hurt or rejection, because of judgment, or from whomever or whatever may come against us, we can nevertheless know joy when we trust in the Savior. Really, even in the midst of all the difficult things. And of course, this Christmas season, we know all too well that we are living in a world of darkness and fear. And that's been illustrated so devastatingly, so relentlessly in the community of Newtown, Connecticut these past 10 days, with funerals every single day this past week. In the face of realities like that, in the face of such tragedy, how are we to respond? What are we to do? You know, I think it can be tempting to sit in our armchairs and pontificate about political solutions. Or maybe we just shake our heads in despair with a certain kind of inevitability about it all, wondering when the next shooting will come, hoping it won't be at one of our kids' schools. But you know what? If that's the best we can do, shame on us. For whatever else may be true about that tragedy and the daily tragedies of suffering and violence that occur around the globe and in all sorts of ways in so many homes right here in our city and in our communities, and whatever should or can be done in the face of repeated mass shootings, I am convinced, I am persuaded, that the thing that I have to do first is to pray that the breath of heaven, the breath of God, may lighten our darkness. And not just the darkness in the families devastated by this latest killing spree, not just to lighten the darkness in this dark world of sin that so often shrouds our political debates, whether about guns or finances or anything else, but to lighten the darkness in me in my heart, in my soul, and in my mind. You know, I'm sure that between us, uh, we probably hold all manner of opinions about guns and schools and security and those with mental illness. We could easily talk and argue and debate on those matters, and there's nothing wrong with that. These things need to be talked about. But today, today, we are reminded that the eternal word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. And unless we are filled with his grace and truth and his love, then all our words are noisy gongs and clashing cymbals. We need God, to pour over us his 
holiness. Ask God to show you the cold, hard places in your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to lighten your darkness, to pour over you his holiness. For it is where meek souls will receive him that the dear Christ still enters in. Thank God for sending Jesus to redeem the world. Thank God for his mercy to us and to all those who fear him in every generation. Thank God that he will reign forever and ever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Surely he is coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.